This is Radio Influence. As America's zone coach, premier thought leader, and the world's number one coach of champions, Jim Fannin is the go-to person. He has guided the careers of the best pro athletes from 10 sports and business executives from 50 industries. He has coached individuals, families, relationships, and students in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. From winning Wimbledon, the World Series, and a gold medal, to losing 68 pounds, saving lost marriages, or overcoming financial ruin, Jim Fannin has been behind the scenes guiding individuals through the intricate process of peak performance. His success tools are not just for the superstar. They're designed to help you reach your full potential as you tap into life's most successful mindset, the zone. And now, please welcome the coach of champions and America's zone coach, Jim Fannin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. I'm Jim Fannin. Hey, my name is Seth, Jim's producer here on America's Most Positive Podcast. Ready to dive into some tips and tactics here that brings on a state called the zone. And if you're just joining us for the first time ever, man, I'm really glad you're here. Jim, what's on your mind? Well, the zone is on my mind every day. Uh, It's been really prevalent uh, in the last couple of days for me. And and I think it's a good time to discuss what is the zone. Uh, The zone is, uh, it's real. It's in all of us. It is a purposeful, calm, feeling that nothing can go wrong. Purpose, intensity, and then calm. Well, those those two things don't always go hand in hand. <laughs> so it's a balance of self-discipline and concentration with relaxation and enjoyment. And it wraps around your belief system, your optimism, your confidence. So, you know, when you're in the zone, uh, there is no conscious thought. You're reacting to uh, an internal blueprint. It's definitely designed to get you out of danger, to find avenues of escape. Uh, that's the primary uh, point of the zone. And again, it's been passed on from our parents to us. So everyone has in our DNA the ability to get in it. 1974, I realized that, well, you don't have to have trauma uh, to get into the zone, but you do need stress. And what I've learned, it's good stress or stress, EU. S-T-R-E-S-S, good stress, E-U, the Greek word for good, like euphoria, eureka. So being in the zone is, is positive. And it's not just for the superstar athlete. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of notoriety because I coach famous athletes, but the zone, uh, your four-year-old is in the zone now. Uh, your nine-year-old, you want your nine-year-old in the zone when they play soccer. But you want your nine-year-old when they're in the class with the teacher and he or she's learning math. So reading a book, watching a movie, watching a TV show, playing a video game, uh, being in a, uh, a conference call in business, uh, being in a business meeting, giving a presentation, giving a speech. There's a myriad number of activities where you can find out were you in the zone or were you out of the zone. And of course, you know, in our last episode, we did talk about the zone, but we talked about culture. We talked about the culture of a company. So if you're following us chronologically uh, with one episode after the other, uh, yes, if you're the leader of a company, 
you can, and I'm sure that you do on many, many occasions, uh, we're trying to ramp that up, get everyone on your team in a zone state because it's very, very contagious. Uh, the zone is physical. Uh, the eyes double, triple shutter speed. kind of slows everything down. Uh, skin sensitivities heightened. Intuition comes into the forefront. Uh, there's a lot of chemicals that are positive flowing through the body. Uh, and then also there is a mountain lake calmness, very still, very pristine, uh, even when chaos is around you. So the zone is something definitely the athlete wants to be in when they're performing. But uh, why not live in the zone? And why not get a company in the zone? And, and now I want to talk about something that uh, if you're a parent, uh, something that to help you get your student back in the zone. That's right. Back to school, Seth. It, you know, it started to feel just a little touch like fall. And, you know, of course, uh, some of these stores have had their back to school supplies out for a month. So I, I believe it. But here we are. It's back to school. So uh, let me walk through a couple of tips. Uh, if you have a child that's in school, uh, here's a few tips uh, to get your kid back into the zone. But let's frame this. A couple of months off, getting up whenever. Maybe they're in summer camp. Maybe they're not. Maybe they can sleep till noon. Maybe there's no rules. Uh, stay up late. Eat what you want. It's summer. Have some fun. Vacation. Hang out with the cousins. Uh, hang out in the neighborhood. Well, now we're going to have some structure. Uh, you're going to be getting up at the same time every morning, Monday through Friday. You're going to be heading for the bus at the same time or carpool or you're walking to school. Uh, but the routines, they're going to be there and you're going to have to have them. So here's a couple of tips. First and foremost, you need to reset sleep patterns. And that's a big deal. What does that mean? Uh, that means you're going to bed at 10 o'clock. Yeah, but mom, you know, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not school yet. It doesn't start until next week. Start sleep patterns reset now. You need to start them now. Uh, yeah, but mom, it's the last weekend. Why can't I stay up late? Well, you may cut them a little bit of slack, but seven to ten days prior to the first day of school, you need to start that process of regular sleep. You need to wean your student off of going to bed late, sleeping late. I, I know you're going to cave. We've all caved. Mom, my last weekend before school, why can't I stay up late? However, sleep patterns are crucial if you want your student to have peak performance, especially during the first period, and maintain it until the final bell rings and they come back home. So you got to start this process sooner than later uh, so that they can maintain that all year. Uh, good luck on this one. <laughs> be bold, uh, but be consistent. Reset eating habits. That's right. Now that you're going to school, breakfast almost at the same time, pretty much within a few minutes, uh, possibly a snack after school to replenish the fuel, homework, dinner, homework, bed. Reset eating habits. Uh, the entire nutrition of your student, uh, it needs to be uh, really well thought out. 
So before school begins, uh, you need to understand the menu. You're the nutritionist, mom and dad. You, you control the food. You got the checkbook. Uh, so we need to be, make sure that we're uh, resetting eating habits. Exercise the brain. You know, I said this, that a pipeline directly to the zone is reading. So how many of your students, how many of your kids read books all summer? Probably not many. Uh, but I would have them start to read something now. Yeah, but I don't have any homework. Uh, okay, read a book. Reading is a pipeline to the zone. Obviously, it's going to factor into everything your student does. Uh, you need to exercise the brain. No different than the NFL conditioning, exhibition games, preparing every player on the field for this upcoming season. Your student needs to warm up and start honing those basic skills of math, reading, writing. But I do it prior to the school year, and the school year is on us right now. In fact, a lot of people are, have already started their first classes this week. So uh, uh, it's not too late. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, but I'd start reading, writing uh, now uh, with your student. I, that just made me think of, you know, the analogy there with the NFL. I'm just imagining a quarterback, you know, getting into the first huddle and be like, so guys, what do you want to do? Anybody work out over the summer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm coaching. I've coached a lot of NFL players, and I'm, I'm coaching some uh, NCAA collegiate athletes, quarterback of D1 school. The playbook, even in college and definitely in the NFL, for every position, I, I got a playbook for a right tackle, and I got a playbook for a left guard uh, recently, and it's intricate. And you got to study. So the dumb jock, uh, you know, I don't see it. I, I think if you're playing the NFL, you got to be smart. The plays are intricate. They're varied. There's so many nuances. And you need to have a blueprint on how your position needs to be played. Once 11 guys have that blueprint, uh, now they can get into a zone state and perform. Uh, but if you haven't studied before you get to training camp, good luck. Uh, you're going to struggle. And the best of the best, uh, they're training all year long. Next, set some academic goals with your student. Don't rely on them to do that. So what are you going to do this uh, semester? What are you going to do this quarter uh, corner? Um, establish well-defined goals. That's a hallmark of a champion. I've never coached a champion that didn't have well-defined goals. So I, I would have academic goals with corresponding strategy, tactics on how to reach them, especially if they, you know that one of the subjects they have a challenge. could be math. Uh, well, I'd start brushing up on my math skills sooner than later. Set goals with your student, live-in student, uh, your pride and joy for each class, and then the, here's the kicker. You got to hold them, count them. You've got to hold your kid accountable. And I think that's where a lot of us, because we love our kids so much, uh, we do cut them some slack and uh, chip away at this academic goal setting. And then I think uh, another tip, identify priorities. Football games, dances, playing video games. A new video game right now is Fortnite. It is played by every, almost every 
minor league and major league baseball player. <laughs> I, I'm very well a Fortnite, uh, very competitive, very addictive. In fact, I've had two athletes right now. I've I've weaned them off of Fortnite. I had one uh, athlete that was struggling uh, mysteriously, couldn't hit a fastball. I mean, right down the middle, just barely missing it. And I'm looking for variables. And uh, I found out that uh, he was playing Fortnite uh, every chance he could once he got to the ballpark. And, oh. <laughs> and, and before the game, he would spend an hour before he actually walked out in the field. And I explained to them, you know, if you want to get into a zone state, uh, you need to have a purposeful calm. You need to clear your mind. But uh, no different than reading a book late at night. You know, your eyes are like candles. They burn energy. And that's what happened. He would go up to the plate, at baseball game, with tired eyes from playing Fortnite. So uh, pay attention to what's going on. Uh, this game is addictive. It's sweeping the country. And it's a lot of adults are playing it, so it's not just uh, your kids. Uh, but monitor that. It's easy to stay up 2, 3 in the morning playing Fortnite with a flashlight, uh, you know, under the uh, bed sheet so mom and dad don't know about it. Uh, check on uh, their video games. Well, and also, when you're a kid, you probably can tell yourself, I'll be fine for that test in the morning. I'll stay up till 4 a.m. I'll be good. <laughs> you don't always make the most rational decisions when you're nine or 12 years old. Uh, that's true. Well, uh, that, there's 17-year-olds that don't, <laughs> and, and 55-year-olds that don't make great ones either. Then we got to talk about social media. You know, if you've got a son or a daughter in school, I mean, this activity, it gets its own mention as a tip. I know there's smartphones, but let me tell you something. They're, they're dumb phones sometimes. And this, this device is your student's pipeline to the rest of the world with emphasis on their peer group. Self-discipline and concentration don't always mesh with the cell phone. No cell phone usage during homework. None, period. And especially, you know, if you've got a grade schooler or junior high, none. No cell phone usage after certain hours. You decide the nightly cell phone curfew. Uh, as a student uh, or guide to a student, uh, you know, you need to know three things about social media. What is my responsibility? What is my authority? And lastly, what will I be held accountable Monitor this activity. You don't need surprises. Keep abreast of where and when your kid goes on the web and who they're communicating with. You know this. Hold them accountable. Hold your kids accountable. Next, risk and reward. I would go about this subject. It's got to be addressed frequently with your student. Everything they do or don't do has a positive or negative consequence as a consequence what is the risk of you doing this activity what is the reward or consequence of doing this activity have the risk and reward talk that needs to be given and it needs to be repeated often life is about risk and reward and students uh, can have a naivete about them yeah what's the big deal what's the risk don't think about it. What's the reward? Uh, you could die. There's your reward. Was it worth the risk? The answer is no. Don't forget mom and dad. 
the goal of a parent as your kid reaches 18, moves away to college, or lives in the basement and they're 28, turn them into world-class decision makers. They're only as good as what they think when you're not there. Your children are only as good as what they think when you're not around. Train them to make decisions. They make the wrong decision, hold them accountable. One more thing, Mom. One more thing, Dad. If you give a punishment, stick to it. I, I, I remember vividly. I'm 68 years old. I still remember this. I'll be 69 soon. This is indelibly etched in my brain. I got punished. I'm not going to tell you what I did. I was a bad boy. Uh, I'm like 14. And I was grounded for 30 days. No outside contact with the world. It's in the summer. Seriously. In confinement. In home prison. I'm a good boy. <laughs> Mom, Dad, I, I'm so sorry. I went through every everything to get out of this 30-day prison. Didn't happen. On the 30th day, 30 days, no friend contact, no peer group. I, obviously, I was being punished for a bad deed, <laughs> obviously. On the 30th day, there was a dance that night, and I wanted to go see my girlfriend that I hadn't seen in 30 days. And I was fired up to go to this dance. And I'm getting ready. I'm, I think I'm putting on English leather canoe cologne. It's nasty cologne. You know, the kids back in the day. And so, you know, I'm kind of looking in the mirror, preening in the mirror. My dad goes, where do you think you're going? I'm going out. It, today's the 30th day. My, my father said, that's right. Today's the 30th day and the day's over at 12 midnight. You're going nowhere. I'm like, Dad, are you kidding me? Go to your room. I'll never forget that. Again, I'll be 69 my next birthday. Talk about indelibly etched. But the lesson was there. Risk, reward. I, I was told in advance. Well, I, I took the risk, and the reward was 30 days in home <laughs> confinement. And my dad kept his promise. Um, next, ask questions that can't be answered with yes or no. Tell and yell does not work as a form of communication, mom. Tell and yell does not work as a form of communication, dad. So many of us, you know, we've been raised with this form of information delivery. Yell and tell. I told you not to do that. Yell and tell. So to turn your kid into a viable and responsible decision maker, Great questions will eventually produce great answers and ultimately great actions. Asking questions that can be easily answered with a terse or a mumbled, how was your day? Fine. That's not a great question. Uh, did you, do you have any homework? No. Not a great question. Prepare this type of communication and be consistent. What are your goals for grades and how are you going to accomplish this? Oh, wow. <laughs> Your student now has to think. Give me an answer. The other thing, be present. Don't be uh, uh, distracted by your own social media. Be 
present. Don't forget, 80% of what your kids say is nonverbal. Mom, dad, read what's going on. Read the body language. Read the, ch- read the change in tonality. So this list that I'm giving you of 10 tips, uh, well, it's also, mom and dad, you need to start training to raise a student again after a awesome summer hiatus. Next, number nine, the peer group, the dreaded peer group. Birds of a feather flock together. Interview, research, keep tabs on all of your students' friends during the school year. Interview, research, keep tabs. And that definitely includes monitoring social media. If you're paying the phone bill, that's your phone. And it's your kid's phone. It's your phone. And your student's circle of friends, that's the main influencer of how they approach homework, speech, dress, music, and every other behavior. Police the peer group. Also, meet the parents of your child's friends. That's going to tell you a lot. Acorns, they don't fall far from the tree. You know, you can tell the peer group, definitely a dominant factor. Well, Jim, if we can even reach into your own childhood here, something that didn't actually make the final show, we had a little bit of banter with Jack Diddy, who was a previous guest, your former Devils partner. He went on to become a doctor. And he was just rattling off the guys that you guys and, and the ladies that you guys grew up with uh, that all just went on to be awesome, you know, clutch performers, awesome people, awesome people who give back to their communities. And so, you know, as you came into being a coach to, you know, 2,500 clients, you were, I'm sure, influenced by the kids you were hanging around when you were nine and 14 years old. And they, you know, and you influenced them. Oh, yeah. It sounds heart, like they all made heart surgeons, dermatologists. Uh... Uh, great insurance uh, that build great careers, great businesses, um, uh, even authors. So I, I did. I, I hung out with um, some very people, you know, some people that went on to be very, very successful. But my mom policed it. She didn't play. Uh, she she would uh, she was tough, and um, and I love her for that. I really do. You know, she made it very clear. I'm your mom. The answer is no, I'm not your friend. We'll be friends later. And we became best friends, just like my uh, daughter now, uh, mother of my grandson. We're, we're, we're best friends. But growing up, hey, I'm your dad. I'm your dad. I'm not here to hang and be one of the gang and be part of the peer group. And I've seen a lot of parents do that. Mom and dad, pay attention to the peer group. And, and then my last tip, uh, really, mom and dad, get ready. You need to prepare to help your live-in student set, organize, and manage the best routines for maximum learning. And, and that pertains to family activities, dinner, chores, chores, chores. And I, I sound like I'm from 1800 now. A chore. I'm giving my kids chores. It's amazing to me that a lot of kids today, they don't have things that they're supposed to do around the house. I, I mean, I took the garbage out. I cleaned the garbage can. That was my responsibility. If I didn't do it, I got punished. It was pretty simple. Today, uh, I'm, I'm not sure kids have assignments. 
But that upbringing spawned me to go out and get my own paper route because I learned self-discipline. I had responsibility. I was held accountable. And I knew what I had the authority to do. I knew what I had the authority to not do. And those three elements, responsibility, accountability, and authority, that empowers your kid to become a world-class decision maker. And you can parlay that into the C-suite of a Fortune 500 company uh, 20 years later, 30 years later. So, yes, you have a big responsibility, mom and dad. Yes, you will be held accountable. And, yes, you have the authority. Wield it. Back to school. It's going to be fun. Get ready, mom and dad, and make sure your son or daughter or sons and daughters that they're ready to get into the zone this school year. And of course, when you achieve that zone state, you come alongside people that are clutch performers uh, in a whole bunch of different arenas from, you know, professional and college and, you know, high school and even down to little league sports, to people in entertainment, to people in science and design. We see amazing zone performances every single week. And we always recap those here on the Jim Fannin show because it doesn't matter if you're a scientist and we're talking about baseball, there's still something you can learn about the zone just from that interaction of how that person achieved their clutch performance. You want to go ahead and take a look here? Yeah, I, I have a shout out to Zach Collins. He's the top draft choice for the Chicago White Sox. Um, he had a, an amazing game. He had two home runs in one inning, one inning, ninth inning. He had a two-run shot and hit a grand slam in the ninth. Now, to put that in perspective, now this is minor league ball, but to put it in perspective, which is more difficult, throwing a no-hitter in baseball or hitting two home runs in one inning? Uh, only 60 men have hit two home runs in one inning. Now, I coached one of them, Mike Cameron, hit two home runs uh, in one inning, first inning. Actually, when he played for the Mariners against the White Sox, he went on to hit four home runs for that game. Definitely a zone game. Only 60 men in Major League Baseball have done that. How many people have uh, pitched a no-hitter? 299. And I'm just going to go ahead and throw the stat in here. As of today, there have been 2,116, 434 games played in Major League Baseball. And 299 no-hitters, 60 double home runs in one inning. Ever. Yeah, so it's very difficult. And back-to-back success in anything, um, you know, if you're a golfer and you hit your best wedge and you hole out, you hole out and you're fired up. Or even better, you have a hole-in-one and, and you're doing a cartwheel and you're high-fiving and, and you're, so, you're elated, you're excited, you're only as great as the moment after greatness. So what are you trying to do on your next shot? Hit solid to a well-defined target. The best in the world, when they get into a zone state, in order to elongate that zone, because when you're aware of being in it, Seth, you're not in it anymore. When I'm aware of being in the zone, boom, it's gone. It's gone. So you want to hit that high daily standard over and over again. I'm coaching a young quarterback uh, in a D1 school, and he has the first scrimmage, 
he was lights out through four touchdown passes in a scrimmage. You know, it's pre preseason college. He gets my message, which everyone loves and hates. You're on, uh, way to go. Congratulations. What can we learn from this? Every performance is a lear- learning moment. You're only as great as the game after greatness. So he needs to thread solid performances in a row. So after a great performance, your next performance, don't try to be in the zone. In fact, there's no try to attract the zone, T-R-Y, to ruin yourself. There's no trying to replicate what you just did. Constantly go after a minimum requirement for a solid performance, a standard. What's your standard in business? What's your standard as a broadcaster? What's your standard as a student? A minimum requirement for a satisfactory solid performance according to you. That's what we're trying to achieve over and over. And I learned that greatness is hitting that standard over a long period of time. And I've said this many times on our show. We're jaded by watching SportsCenter and ESPN and talk shows uh, showcasing great performances. We think, wow, that was great. That was a great shot. Wow, what a great hit that was. Those are just great moments. That doesn't mean you're a great player. Again, greatness, and this includes school, is hitting a high standard every day over a long period of time. And that's how you chop down that tree to make an A in algebra. You got to chip away. You can't cram at the last minute. Chip away hitting that high standard. That means you pay attention in class. And that goes back to uh, some of my tips. How are you going to pay attention in class if your routines are off and you haven't eaten and you haven't slept well? Well, you're going to have some challenges. Pay now, mom and dad, or you might be paying later. And I'm not sure paying later is what you really want. <laughs> That's cleaning up uh, uh, what your kid's done in their academic setting. Let's go ahead and uh, get into one of our in-the-zone performers here, Tiger Woods. We've kind of been seeing him creep back here, and holy cow, what a weekend he just had. So he didn't actually win, but he, he achieved a second-place performance that included a 19-foot birdie and recorded uh, his best record for a final round of any major. Uh, well, for a long time, and and I, I will tell you, I, I was with Tiger uh, quite a bit, uh, 2000, coaching other players. I've, I've walked the course with him a dozen times or more uh, while, while I'm coaching someone else. They're paired with him in a practice round. Um, Tiger Woods had an aura about him in 2000, 2001, 2002 that who's going to be second? So if he was in the hunt in Sunday and he's wearing his red shirt, which he did this past weekend, who's going to be second because he's going to be first. And um, his mentality was his strength. And I, I think that changed over the years. He started talking more about his physical well-being. He started talking more about his swing uh, as if it's a third person, his putting, uh, his wedges his driver. This is the first time that I've seen in a decade almost, no, not quite, Tiger mentally being tough. 
And those double fist pumps when he makes a birdie putt, the crowd energy was unbelievable at the PGA Championship. And you just had that feeling. I really think what happened, though, down the stretch, I think Tiger ran out of mental energy. Uh, I don't think he had the mental endurance. Uh, he made a mistake coming down in the end. And then we got to give kudos to Brooks uh, Kepka. Uh, he was a closer. He didn't blink. He missed four birdie opportunities down the stretch. That could cause a lot of people to be impatient and frustrated. Uh, but Brooks didn't even waver, didn't bother him. Uh, he deserves the championship. Uh, you were in the zone, Brooks. But, Tiger, uh, I know that uh, your next major is sometime in April next year. That's a long time. But hopefully you'll uh, practice that mental uh, uh, that mental ability that you had, uh, that uncanny ability to deliver the goods during a moment of truth. That's what you were world-class expert at. So hopefully uh, as we approach the fall and go into the season ending and even Ryder Cup, uh, Tiger will regain that magic, and we'll see if he has it at the Masters in 2019. And we do just have to give a quick shout-out to the fact that uh, Rafael Nadal was playing in the Rogers Cup in pro tennis and ran off the court. And everybody's like, well, what's up with him? He was checking to see how Tiger did. Can you believe that? That's <laughs> unbelievable. Well, I mean, Tiger just, I mean, I think if he'd have won, uh, it, it would have changed the golf industry. I mean, everybody was talking about it. Uh, it, it was trending number one on, on Twitter. Uh, so uh, everybody loves the Tiger charge and how he really plays on Sunday. So uh, we saw a, a semblance of when he dominated. Is he back? Uh, well, we'll see. Hopefully he can uh, maintain it. But he's definitely great for the game, that's for sure. How about David Bode, uh, Grand Slam, uh, Cubs rookie uh, infielder, hit a two-out, two-strike, Grand Slam, bottom of the ninth inning, moment of truth, the Cubs trailing 3 nothing, and they pulled out a stunning 4-3 victory over the Washington Nationals. Wow. In the zone. and. Uh, as he talked about it, he just said, I just wanted to hit the ball solid. So good on him. He was not trying to hit home run. He was just trying to put the ball in play and launch it in the air. And uh, that's what you do. Get into the process, and that'll produce results. David Bodie in the zone. And if you want to talk about what you're not doing in the clubhouse, or what you are doing when you're not playing Fortnite, uh, he said that he walked into the stadium that day saying, I'm not going to get beat down out there. Um, and he really knew he was going to have a great game. He knew it, and he said, "All I had to do was just get the get the bat on the ball, basically." And, and so it wasn't uh, him being inside his head. Also, just a, a quick shout out to the fact that this guy was the 18th pick back in 2012, and he's just now really enjoying his you know kind of breakout success in Major League Baseball. And so sometimes that climb is you know steeper, and that means that you've really got to see where you're going and maintain your optimism in the score system, which, of course, we'll get to uh, right here at the end, uh, end of the show on how to check that out. Let's talk about Pearl Jam. How about that? Pearl Jam yeah. in the zone. Uh, the famous uh, band, they raised $10 million for Seattle Homeless. A concert at the Seattle Safeway Field uh, inspired 100 businesses to fundraise as well. 
And this positivity is uh, definitely infectious. Pearl Jam, awesome, well done. You're in the zone. And those 100 businesses are going to continue to go ahead and raise money uh, for uh, the homeless population in Seattle. Where does something like this start? It starts with somebody seeing it. And then, man, I cannot think of a better recent example of just the infectiousness of positivity, the infectiousness of optimism, pulling other people into the zone with you. And, and one person had a mental blueprint seeing uh, uh, the homeless in Seattle not being homeless and, and seeing not the challenge, but seeing the solution. And it really takes that. Unfortunately, the bad news in Chicago, there's been a lot of uh, murders and a lot of shootings in the last week. Uh, record uh, 60 shootings in a weekend. You got to be kidding me. That's not far from our studio right now. Yeah. But here's the good news there is good news. Two rival gangs came together and they created together. And, they, and these are pitted rivals against each other with shootings. They came together to build a playground. And uh, so they had a, a sustained truce. They came together. And um, according to Arnie Duncan of Chicago Cred, C-R-E-D, an organization that works to reduce violence uh, within the uh, city of Chicago, this ceasefire inspired relief and hope Hopefully, other gangs in the city will follow. Uh, but they built a playground uh, together with community volunteers. And uh, both rival gangs were smiling as they saw kids go on this playground. Uh, where one plus one, one gang, plus another gang equals three. Something more than themselves. Something viable for the community. So uh, there is some good. And, of course, Arnie Duncan, he was our uh, past uh, Secretary of Education uh, under Barack Obama. And this is a prime example of the fact that the reality you see today doesn't mean it has to be like that always, but it, it takes somebody stepping out into leadership, really. Uh, and, you know, sometimes leadership doesn't always look like you have a title. Sometimes leadership looks like you're the one that's going to go first and changing your own mentality so that that can ripple out from beyond there. Can we talk about a jacket in the zone? A jacket in the zone. You know, I saw your note on this, and I was like, "What is this? Is bizarre." <laughs> Give me, I, 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 I need to be fitted for this new jacket. Okay, so tell, tell me about this. Yeah, I want to go ahead and break this down. I want to ask you first what What was the coldest moment of your life? When were you the most frozen? Was it Was it skiing? Was it uh, you know coaching somebody in outdoor sports? You've done a lot of that. Can you think of a time when you were just chilled to your core? Uh, it was coaching. Uh, it was uh, winter sports. And it was me not participating, but watching and freezing uh, downhill skier. And I remember it vividly. I, I had a mustache at the time and it was frozen. <laughs> and and my face was frozen. And my I thought, oh my goodness, I, 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 I got to get out of here. Yeah, I remember that well. That's probably one of those moments where somebody walked in with one hot cup of coffee and started an auction for you. Like, 400 bucks. <laughs> Just 400 bucks. I'm in the zone. <laughs> yeah, give me give me anything to warm me up. I remember it. Well, there's a company called uh, Volabec that's cr uh, created a jacket. Uh, that's, it's $595, like, kind of ski jacket, right? And you're like, okay, that's, that's pretty expensive for a jacket. So it's made from a, a material called graphene, which I'm going to tell you about. 
But basically what this does is it is the best material in the world for uh, you know, kind of reflecting your own body heat back to you and actually uh, getting your, uh, you know, kind of when you're warming up and you're walking, when you're you know, playing a sport, it gets your heat away from your body. So it's almost like got this magical property and it actually even repels bacteria. I can even stop a bullet if there's enough layers. This, so you've wow. seen this once before. Uh, Michael Phelps wore that like kind of full body suit when he was breaking all those records swimming in the Olympics. That was graphene. But basically, it's so difficult to work with that uh, scientists knew that if they could ever make a jacket out of this thing, it would be the best jacket for keeping you warm that's ever been made. However, they said it can't be done. And most people didn't even try because, well, it can't be done. Why would you try it? Something that can't be done. That's not his own attitude at all. Well, here's a quote from the company. It is so strong and so stretchy that the fibers of a spider web coated in graphene could catch a falling plane. (laughs) That's like out of a movie. What? This is Mission Impossible. That's amazing. Uh, I I need extra large, please. I would would like to have that jacket. Uh, It's pretty amazing what the imagination, the ingenuity um, of an individual, and of course here we have the ingenuity and imagination of an entire company, uh, see some challenges and come up with viable solutions. And a jacket like this for $5.95, I mean, that can be a pricey jacket, but uh, it definitely uh, seems like it's well worth the price. So, Balabak, that's B-O-L-L-E-B-A-K, you're in the zone. And, of course, you know, you talk about how negativity travels about 20 times faster around the world as uh, positivity does. And we're always turning the tides on that thing and, and uh, finding these incredible stories of people who are just finding zone moments in their everyday lives. So, Jim, you, you think about walking into uh, the first day of school, at, you know, when your kids were in school. And that's a pretty stressful time for, for teachers. They don't know what kind of class they're going to get. They don't know if they're going to get, you know, kind of a particularly challenging roster. And they've done all this work kind of in the summer heat in their classrooms to get ready. Uh, and so that any kind of boost that you can give to the people that you are entrusting your children with is definitely a good thing. It's a good thing for the community, right? So without any kind of fanfare, one florist down in Walnut Grove, uh, Georgia, April's Rose Garden Flower Shop, sent 150 floral bouquets to every teacher at the local elementary school. No big thing. Didn't send a press release out about it. Just kind of wanted to say, hey, go get them this year. Good luck. We put uh, our kids in your hands. Go do it. And this thing really has rippled out of just seeing an opportunity to, you know, to put a smile on somebody else's face and really to, to like change your neighborhood for that whole week. Yeah, that's Sandy Williams, the owner of April's Rose Garden Flower Shop down in Georgia. Sandy, you're in the zone. Yes, it's a PR move. Yes, uh, we're broadcasting on our podcast, but still 150 teachers, 150 bouquets. You didn't have to do that. Uh, you didn't have to pick teachers. Uh, so kudos out to you. You not only were in the zone doing this, but hopefully uh, you got teachers in the zone on their first day back to school. And just remember that when you share this podcast and when you share stuff like this, you are bringing about a state of infectious positivity uh, that uh, is just going to keep going. And so 
anytime that you see something like this, of course, you can always send us a, a story because oddly enough, as we're preparing for the Jim Fannin show, sometimes you got to dig a little bit to find out the good stuff going on in the world and these amazing clutch performers because the gossip, the anger, you know, that kind of stuff actually rises to the top in the news cycle. Hey, I want to uh, offer uh, some tips before a big event. And this is for mom and dad. This is for CEOs. Uh, this is for the weekend warrior. This is uh, there's some club golf championships going on right now. So if you've got a big event coming up, this is for football games coming up. Maybe you're playing in the the games, or maybe you have a, a, a student that's also playing in the games. The time before an event, you want to prepare yourself to be in a zone state. And when that event begins, you want to hit the ground operating at a high standard. You want to start strong. And so many people don't get off the good starts. In fact, most of my seminars, are you a great starter? Raise your hand. Well, definitely not everybody raises their hand. I also ask everyone, are you a closer? Do you produce the best at the end of the performance? But I, I want to talk about pre-performance time. I, I think the day before a big event, I would only work on my strengths. So if you're giving a speech, talk about the points, the strong points that you really want to make during that talk. It's the takeaway of what you want the audience members to leave with. Uh, you're only as good as what they think when they actually leave your presentation. But whatever they think when they leave your presentation, that's dictated by you. So the day before, only work on your strengths. So if you're having a club championship and you, you're a great putter, get a lot of putts on the day before. Most people don't do that. They go out and work on what they don't do well. They work on their weaknesses, which I call areas of growth. Deal from strength the day before. And then as you get up to an event, and let's say you have an hour to go. Let's say you're a mom and dad. You got a kid playing soccer. He's nine. And you're going to drop him off uh, at the soccer field. And he's going to run to his friends. And then you're going to park the car. And uh, you're going to go watch. How many of us have tried to give so many instructions to our kid? Don't forget to do this. Don't forget to do that. Do this. And, and that's really a, a, a no-no. You want to have your mind clear, absolutely clear. You also want to get your breathing down from normal 15 to 70 breaths a minute down to six to eight breaths. That's not easy. That's definitely abnormal. But if you want an abnormal performance, well, you need to think in an abnormal way so you can put on the zone like an overcoat. And you want to do this for your kids. So talking too much, talking about the past, talking about the future, last-minute instructions, you're not helping your kid get in the zone. In fact, you're a zone breaker. And I know moms and dads, like, don't want to be that. But we've done that. Why? Because we love them. We love them so much. We want to help them so much. Well, if you do want to help them, help them become decision makers and help them think less not more. How many times have you had a kid in a performance and they look up at you periodically? 
and you're sitting there with your arms crossed because they've been failing. You're sitting there with a scowl or you're sitting there mouthing instructions, especially in tennis where there's no coaching, you know, (laughs) and I see it. It's prevalent. What should you do when they look up in the stands? Smile. If you smile and then they smile, you're actually helping them add dopamine into their bloodstream because the smile of enjoyment produces dopamine. That might be the very chemical needed to attract the zone. There's cortisol. That's discipline. There's glycogen. That's focus. That narrows your focus. And most of us parents and most of us weekend warriors, we want to be disciplined. We want to be locked in. We want to be focused, really sending out the energy. But simultaneously, your body has to have serotonin, which there's a calm. So my jaw is unhinged. My body is loose, relaxed, slave to the mastermind. So it'll follow whatever that blueprint you've been working on, on that golf swing you have or whatever your kid's been working on on the soccer field. So less is more before the event. Clear your mind. Just turn it off. Right now, you can try that. If you're driving, don't do this, but you can shut your eyes and hinge your jaw. This is a reboot before the event. I, it's the same tool. I call it clear the launch. Clear every thought away from you so you can launch an assault of energy once the game begins. Breathe. No thought. Every athlete I coach goes through this process. Half of the athletes I coach take a nap. Take a nap right before the game. 10 minutes, 15 minutes. As a matter of fact, Carlos Delgado hit four home runs in one game. He's one of only 14 people to do this. One of my clients, now retired, he took a nap. In fact, they had to come get him. He almost missed the game. He was in the bowels of the stadium. <laughs> Luckily, uh, one of the clubhouse attendants knew where he was. And then in, in kind of a, a daze, kind of a fog, he walks down in the field and smacks a home run. Mike Cameron, I was with him when he hit four home runs in the locker room before the game. And he took a slight nap, 10 minutes, cleared his mind, goes out and smacks four home runs. So, Take a lesson from this mom and dad, but take a lesson also if you're a weekend warrior uh, playing sports, playing golf, have a golf tournament coming up. Clear your mind, unhinge your jaw, breathe, and then once you get out there, now you can send your energy to well-defined targets, and you want to bring it, but clear your mind before you go. I'm going to throw one question at you, Jim. So, and I, I think that this is, going to be applicable uh, if you're a parent to your kid's going to hit this stage in something no matter what. So you're saying to drop your, your breaths down even right before you start. So I'm just going to use uh, the two sports I did as an example, but uh, you know, I, I think this applies just about across the board. So I played basketball and I was a center and I was a swimmer in both of those cases. There's this moment before all the action starts. And I think I remember my you, heart. You just my made me visualize you in a speedo. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Seth. You know, I saw you in a basketball uniform. Then I switched and saw you in the pool. All right, go ahead. I I, I don't want to be a zone breaker. Go ahead. Either one of those, right? There's that moment. And then 
boom, explosion and the action goes. So in the last kind of few seconds, are you really working to, to drop your breath down so that you're calm, so you have a focused calm going into your event? Now you want to be in a zone state just prior to the event. Let's take golf for an example. Uh, I would play before the round on the range three holes using your full pre-shot routines. No coaching, no victim. Lock in with energy to well-defined targets. This is on the range. So every golfer that I'm coaching, I, I want you in state right then before you walk up to that tee box. When you walk up finally to the tee box and, and the round is going to begin, uh, relax, keep your mind clear. And then when you open your eyes, you only need to do that for a few seconds on the tee box. Walk up and do your routines just like you did back on the range. And where's my target? And after every shot, where's my next target? And off you go. Of course, we saw Tiger do that at the PGA. Every single shot, well prepared. And you even, when you talk about not going in the future in the past, you're doing that play, that shot, that race, whatever it is, not too down the road. Because I think it, when golf especially, you can get pulled out of the present just thinking about your next couple holes. That's easy. Uh, that may have happened to Tiger, quite frankly. It may have happened in, in the PGA when the wheels came off down, you know, at the very end down the stretch. Yeah, the future has a tendency to come in uh, to the brain. Uh, wow, I'm almost ready to win. Or uh, you start counting your chickens before they're hatched. Uh, and, and, and this, uh, this futuristic thought takes you out of the now. And if you're out of the now, you're out of the zone. The zone is fully present in the moment. No future, no past. Your goal to make the present last. Be in the moment. Time for uh, one of my favorite parts of the show, the Ask Jim mailbag. You can uh, send us an email at askjim at jimfannon.com. That's askjim at jimfannon.com. Hey, Jim, can I be in the zone all the time? Well, that's a great question. I. The answer is no, but you can be in, on, or near the zone all the time. And I call that living in the zone. Um, how do you do that? Well, the first thing, you need a well-defined blueprint. You need to flesh out a plan so that you don't have to create it on the fly. And I would dress rehearse it. Never have a day you haven't already had. Well, you need a blueprint for what you're going to do tomorrow. Never have a week you haven't already had. You should have a blueprint for what you want to accomplish this week. And obviously, an overarching plan of what you want to do in the next five years, well, that's preferable. But once you have a blueprint of what you want, uh, now you can get into the zone state. And when you feel yourself coming out of the zone, clear your mind. Take a break. Take a vacation. You might need it. Do it before. You look haggard and everybody goes, oh, man, Seth, you, you, you need a vacation. So having silence uh, with you uh, and using that as a positive score maker tool of turning your brain off the reboot, uh, taking a break, uh, those are all positive on how to stretch the zone state. The longest I've seen somebody in, in, a, in a deep zone state was 33 days. Uh, pretty amazing performance. A lot of the athletes I coach are in it 20 days. You can be in the zone in business 15 days, 
20 days. Uh, you can be in the zone in school when you're having those great weeks. Uh, but eventually, you're going to run out of energy, and that's where you need to take a break and replenish it. My favorite quote is time for it right now. I wish it was mine, but it was actually good old honest Abe Lincoln. If I had four hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend two hours sharpening my axe. Sharpening the axe means take a break. Uh, have some silence between the notes. That's how you make that musical zone performance. And, you know, if you're fairly new to the Jim Fannin Show and you haven't had a chance to check out Jim's book yet, uh, you can search Amazon or wherever you buy books. Uh, the last name is Fannin, once again, F-A-N-N-I-N. And there is not a, a more perfect time in the year than the back-to-school season to really not just be trying to keep all this stuff in your head, but to have your written blueprint as a family, as an individual, as a company, as a team, really written down. And th this is a book that you come back to uh, and you work through. And so my wife and I just had, you know, a couple conversations yesterday about, you know, blueprint planning type of stuff because it's like, oh, so we're, you know, the due date's October 1st for our daughter being born. And normally babies come a little late. So if she comes a little early, well, that's a, that's a blueprint adjustment right there. It uh, is. And by having a blueprint, at least now you have something to adjust from. Yeah. And, and this will lessen the chaos and the panic. Oh my gosh. Um, Definitely nothing great happens, Seth, without a blueprint. Can you teach a four-year-old about the blueprint? Absolutely. Really? How do you do that? Um, show them how to lay their clothes out the night before. Um, have them a talk that they're going to make their bed when they wake up. These are little small tasks. These are little tiny goals. Uh, those are things that they can get a grasp upon. Uh, yeah, it's not making a hundred grand. Okay, they're four years old. I get it. But I would take baby steps, pun intended, uh, with goal setting with your kids. Um, small goals with small timelines and hold them accountable. In fact, every family member should have some goals in their individual life. But I think the family as a whole should have some visions and goals of what the family can accomplish together, as in community service or family vacation, participating together. So um, if you want to really get into the zone, uh, it's going to be even easier to maintain it once you have a blueprint. And of course, every week we do go out by doing a score check. Uh, this is what over 2,500 clients who have achieved amazing things in business, sports, entertainment, and other arenas are doing every single day. And the reason we end the show like this every time is because you can't like build up your score check and just say, well, you know, on Tuesdays, I, I grocery shop after work and on Wednesdays, I get my mentality right for the week and it, it carries me through to next Wednesday. You need to be checking this multiple times a day. Brain science has proven this stuff. A bunch of champions have proven this stuff and you, you you really have to just keep coming back and keep taking another look at it to maintain peak performance. Yeah, let me walk through it very quickly. In 1974, we discovered five markers that all of us possess. Self-discipline was first. Interviewed 100 world champions. What makes you great? I ask every one of them. Look them in the eye. All personal meetings. Why are you great? Why are you number one in the world? They all told me differently, but basically the same. I had a vision. It woke me up in the morning, put me to bed at night, and I had a plan 
on how to manifest that vision. What were they telling me? They had a blueprint. They knew exactly what they wanted, and they were self-disciplined. And that's really the only form of discipline is self-discipline. And that's what you're training your kids to have. But that's what you need uh, as a performer. It's the willingness. It's the commitment to stay with tasks, to reach well-defined goals that take you to that vision. And at any given time, you've got a higher low level of self-discipline. Whatever you're doing, could be with your friends, could be doing homework, could be playing golf, could be playing baseball, could be making a sales call. You will have a high or low level of self-discipline. Concentration. Well, that's the ability to focus mental and physical energy on those tasks that lead to the goals that take you to a vision. And, and when you have high level of concentration, you're present. People feel you. You're here now. And, and you've got a little mantra when you're in high concentration. There's no place I'd rather be than where I am right now. I'm here, even if it's in a challenging situation or condition. And um, how's your concentration? We know it's easily broken. We know that it can fluctuate. So this fluctuation, uh, you need to have your finger on the pulse of it to know when you're not focused. The third marker, it's a big one. It's optimism. It's got an umbrella jurisdiction over confidence, belief, expectancy, self-esteem, what you think other people think about you. How's your optimism? Because that can fluctuate. You can be dressed up ready to go out, and you're looking awesome. This has happened to me. I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, dang, I look great. New suit, new tie, picked it out myself, had no help. My wife hasn't seen it. I'm going to wear it. We're going out to dinner. And I come out, and she goes, seriously, that tie with that, what what are you doing? And immediately, I'm bummed. You know, my optimism was really high. I'm feeling great. One comment from someone that I trust on uh, fashion, uh, gives me the thumbs down. I go back into the uh, closet. I get another tie. I hold the tie out. I look around the corner of the closet. And she shakes her head. No, you know, that, that looks horrible with, with her body language. I get another tie, and now I'm getting frustrated. I can't believe it. I'm ready to surprise her because I look awesome. But she tells me I don't look awesome. And then I sit in the closet, and now I'm frustrated. Now I'm impatient, and I come out and go, you know, you don't look so good yourself. Whoa, that went over well, and now we don't go out. Anyway, that happened multiple years ago. Once you're in the zone, optimistic, a comment, a dirty look, an email, a text, it can be fragile. Your optimism level fluctuates. You can be optimistic in business and come home and not be optimistic regarding your 13-year-old teenagers and how they're doing in school. So optimism fluctuates. Relaxation, come on, we know that fluctuates. Stress changes, and it permeates all parts of our body. But when you're really comfortable, well, no worry, no anxiety, no fear. Breathing calm, peace, tranquility. 
That's where we're trying to go, and that's where we're not trying to go. That's where we're going. And then last is enjoyment. I've had a lot of uh, athletes go, you know, I'm just not enjoying the grind. You know, it's at the end of the season, definitely in baseball. You know, September's approaching, and I'm a little fatigued, a little banged up. Uh, it's easy to have your enjoyment level drop. So there it is, enjoyment's uh, satisfaction, pleasure, passion for executing the tasks and routines that take you to goals and visions. So every one of us, Seth and I included, we have our own unique score level, almost like a fingerprint. It's your attitudinal fingerprint. So Seth, right now we're at the Zone Cafe, and I know we're cooking up S-C-O-R-E in the back. Everybody drive up right now to the window. Make sure that you're here for generic overall, or maybe you're here just for your business. Maybe you're here just for golf. Maybe you're coming up to check your score level for something else. No rules here. What do you need? You need self-discipline, concentration, optimism, relaxation, enjoyment. What's the weak link? Because all five markers form a domino-like chain. A chemical cocktail flows through the bloodstream, and that zone, it comes in, and it takes you to great heights. What do you need, Seth? You know, I actually got a little bit of pool time in yesterday afternoon. Uh, and so I was really in the zone. Wait, wait a minute. In the Speedo? Not in the Speedo. No. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks. Again, I got to get this out of my mind. My my uh, enjoyment only broken by one kid doing a cannonball. I did get some uh, unexpected uh, water in the face laying on the beach chair. But, you know, so that was great. That was fantastic. Took a little uh, midweek break, right? And now I'm in concentration mode because I've shifted staying in the present. And uh, so for the rest of the day, I'm looking for some concentration. What, what's going on with you? What's, uh, what are you ordering off the menu? Uh, you know, I'm actually going to have a big dose of a uh, big slab, actually, of concentration as well, mainly because my client base, uh, the fall's coming. Uh, we're in the third quarter in business. Uh, a lot of people are trying to wrap that up soon. Uh, we got September coming up. And then we're going to close the year in our fourth quarter, October, November, December. Uh, with that, a uh, lot's going on. School, football, tailgating, uh, all kinds of activities. Uh, the house, uh, if it's a house of five, six, seven people, it could be five or six, seven different schedules. So I'm seeing chaos possibility increasing, and that's where I need to be focused to help my clients focus. So that's really where I am. I'm going through every client that I have. I'm visualizing what they want. And uh, I'm also seeing their blueprint on how they're going to manifest uh, that vision or goals. So concentration is really where I am right now. And don't forget, like I said at the beginning of the score check, this isn't just something you knock out one day a week. A lot of the best in the world are actually setting a quick alarm on their cell phone or setting something on their smartwatch to do a little vibrate to remind them every couple hours, reset, reboot, do a score check, see what you need. Yeah, and also I, I want to give um, some heads up to everyone listening. Uh, if you're following this show in succession, uh, you know, the next show, the next show, the next show, and, and you're, you're listening every single week. Next week, I want to talk very seriously about visualization. So we're going to go through visualization 101. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, synchronized visualization, something I do with all my clients. 
Uh, make sure you catch that show, uh, and we're going to break it down. Now, if you can, when you uh, listen to it, uh, it would be better for you not to be driving your car. I would ask you to shut your eyes, do some relaxation, and we'll do a little guided imagery. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We'll talk about the different types of imagery or visualization. So uh, get ready for next week. Visualization will be in the house, and that's one of your greatest tools to help you attract the zone. So, Seth, look right now, let's get our score level balanced, and let's have the greatest week possible. And be sure and follow me, everyone, on Twitter. Because I'm giving tips on every Sunday night. I tweet out, get ready for your greatest week ever. Uh, at the end of the month, I, I'm getting you prepared uh, vis-a-vis Twitter. And then I've got a lot of little fanonisms uh, to help you get in the zone. So follow me on Twitter at, at Jim Fannin, J-I-M-F-A-N-N-I-N. Uh, and uh, I'll help you, uh, coach you to get into a zone state. Get in the zone, everybody, because it's the only place to be. Do you love college football? Of course you do. And there's no better place for your college football conversation than right here on Rush the Field. I'm Scott Seidenberg, and alongside my co-host, veteran coach, scout, and consultant Chris Landry, we're going to break down the college game from all different aspects. Whether it's breaking news, big-time matchups, or just arguing about the rankings, Chris and I will have it all covered. So join us on Rush the Field with me, Scott Seidenberg, and Chris Landry. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.